1: Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Today's guest is Allie Kiefer. Allie is a professional runner who runs for Wozell and Asics. We talked about what got her into the sport, the role that social media plays for her as a pro athlete, her passion for helping more women start running and be able to feel more comfortable in their own skin, and much, much more. Hope you enjoy. All right. I am here in Flagstaff with Allie Kiefer.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me today. Um, so you are out here training Um, and you are racing London this year. Yeah. So
0: I was supposed to race the last year too, but I didn't make it to the start line. Yes. So redemption this year.
1: It is going to be a redemption year. Um, cool. So we have a couple questions that I want to run through and, um, we will go from there. Okay. So the, the premise of the podcast is to talk about, um, what keeps people motivated, what keeps the fire burning And so I've been chatting with a lot of uh, elite athletes and non-elite athletes and everything, you know, everyone in between about motivation and um, what they would, you know, what they've learned over the years. So I guess to start off, what would, what would you tell 2010 Allie? Don't give up. Don't give up. I like that.
0: Yeah. In 2013, I gave up and I feel like I lost a lot of years that I could have been putting in mileage to get better for now because now I'm playing catch-up Like I'm, I feel younger, like my legs maybe are younger than my age. Yep. Um, I don't think you sometimes you will run out of age though. Right. You know, I'll still get old at the same time everyone else does. So, um, I wish I hadn't given up, but like in a way I gave up professional running, but never actually running. Like I took maybe six months or a year off of like, I didn't run at all. But then after that I was running because I love to run and I'm passionate about it, which I think is like what keeps me in the sport. Um, I want to get better, and I think that I have a lot left in me to improve on, but I don't necessarily stay in it just to get better. I stay in it because I love it.
1: Nice. Um, So along the similar lines, what would you tell Allie the night before uh, 2017 New York?
0: I would not change a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Yeah, just... I didn't have any expectation going into that race. It was so like, blissful, the whole entire 26 miles. And people are like, that never happens. It's never going to happen again. And I was like, you are so wrong. <laughs> and 2018 was a whole different story, and they were absolutely right.
1: So do you think the, the, the highs and the lows are necessary, or would you rather have you know, every race be like that one?
0: I mean, I'd love for everyone to be great, but I don't think that's practical. Um, and 2018 wasn't bad. I just felt really different during the race. I didn't feel good for like nearly as long as I did in 2017. But, um, I mean, it sounds ridiculous and I I hate when people say this to me, but like if you don't know the lows, you can't really like appreciate the highs. Totally. So I think you need them.
1: What, what are some of the lessons that you've learned over the years that you would tell Uh, a new athlete specifically a a young you know female athlete getting getting into the sport or getting into competitive racing
0: i think i would just have made it a little bit more fun like i always wanted to i felt for a long time like running was the only thing i was good at and so i needed to have success in it Mm -hmm. and then when i didn't have success i like lost all the joy for it and it was a lot of pressure and um i I, if I was with younger girls now, I would just try to foster an atmosphere that was fun because you can do really re- well in a fun atmosphere. It doesn't have to be, like, so black and white of good and bad or you, you did all this work or you didn't. And um, I think, especially in running, like, we're often really hard on ourselves. It's a kind of a selfish sport, and we're doing it, a, a lot of us alone. Like, I don't do all my runs with other people even. So... Um, It can just be really easy, I think, to be your biggest critic. So if you can try to just, like, find out what you did well every day, I think that would have helped me a lot. Kind of keep, like, that gratitude journal style. I still don't do that, but I (laughs) should take my own advice on this one. It seems like
1: it's uh, more and more people are doing that.
0: I just think it leaves you happier, Yeah. like, every day, you know? And um, I've learned to, like, you know, like, one of the big things I want to do is do gym work. That's really vague. So instead of just having this vague idea of gym work, like I have three different days of what I do in the gym, and then I just get to check the box. So, like, I don't have to overcomplicate things. Where you know, I did I did my gym work, and um, I also like set my own schedule, and and I'll just go all day where it's eight p.m. and I'm still like on my computer, responding to people or doing something related to running. Like, this is not like, a good. 10-hour work day. Right. It's, like, getting really long. Um, so I've had to, like, set boundaries and stuff for that, too.
1: Cool. How do you how do you go about setting those boundaries? I know a lot of times people either feel like they have to be completely all in or giving 110% all the time or finding balance and doing things outside of running that, that are totally separate hobbies.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty much all in and running. Um, that's what takes up most of my time. But I think it's about like using the hours that I want to be doing particular like things like obviously I like a running a time that I'll run and um, a time that I'll respond to the emails or go on Instagram and like there are a lot of other parts of like the business talk to my agent like all these different things that I kind of schedule in certain times and so that like. I, you know when it's coming. I know when it's coming. Like, and I can't sit there and be like, "I'm going to get all my emails done today." Because right. after 30 minutes of emails, like, I need to do something else. That's just how I'm productive. So instead of wasting all day, like, not actually getting through that many emails, I just structure it so, like, I move on to the next task.
1: Cool. Um, one of the things you mentioned is is having fun with it and and enjoying the, the process and enjoying the journey. Um, was that an intended piece when you launched the YouTube series and and the YouTube uh, videos you've been doing?
0: No. Um, The intention with those was to let people in on, like, everything beyond the run. Like, I think I get asked often, especially by my family, like, what do you do all day? Like, how do you fill your time? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so busy. Um, It's not really hard to fill my time. So I wanted to, like, unless you show it, people don't really know what you've been up to. Um, And then it's actually like been kind of hard to have people in your life like all day. Like one of the videos I wanted to do was a day in the life. Well, then someone, a camera crew's got to sleep over. Right. And like maybe I don't, I don't think it's actually added joy to my life. (laughs) I invited my friend. 4
1: a.m., Allie goes to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Too hydrated. Or
0: like, you know, just like cold and... You know, you're like sneezing and then there's someone's taking a picture Yeah, of you're like, Well that's pretty awful. Life <laughs> unfiltered. <laughs> like, yeah, it really is. I like, I did a workout down in Camp Faraday. Um so I drove like an hour down and I did what I now call the impossible workout because I failed it twice and I made the most out of it, but like I really don't think I was capable of doing that workout. Um and I started yelling at Brad in the middle and it's all on camera and like <laughs> that apparently is going to be our workout video. I'm like, can we cut that? And at the camera guy, who's my friend was like, you know, if you really want to, but like, it's going to make way better. It was good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. There's just like some things you don't want on camera that are now on camera.
1: So do you think that, um, I mean, how, how do you look at failure? How do you look at something, a workout that doesn't go as you had expected it to?
0: Yeah. I think I started crying. I was pretty bummed about it. Um,
1: but but looking back,
0: yep. Looking back, I haven't had like any like stellar workouts, so I'm not like, super excited about where I'm at fitness wise. I guess um, I've had a lot of like Brad calls seven and a half to eight and a half on a scale of one to ten workouts. Yeah, and sees get degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so now if our expectations were just really high, or I've had really heavy legs, um, but. You don't, I don't really often have like that 10 out of 10 workout. Yep. just once in a blue moon and it's nice to have, I wouldn't call like those workouts. I didn't do great in failures, although they felt like them at the time. Um, but I felt that way right after New York too, this year, I was like, oh, that was a failure. I don't feel like it was a failure anymore, but, um, I think when you have high expectations, like there will be failures and that's sort of okay. Are not going to get an A on everything?
1: Definitely. So, um, I did a podcast yesterday with Ben Rosario, and one of the things that he talked about was um, not focusing on the time or the place but the effort and um, how do you how do you balance being a professional athlete and you know literally getting paid based on finishing spots but also enjoying enjoying it and and continuing the love of the sport
0: yeah. Well, I like what Ben said about that. And Brad and I have had conversations like that. We're like, what do we define success as? Um, And and I have big goals for London. I want to break 226. But what if the weather's really bad? Right. Like, you're not in control of all the factors. What if, you know, there's no pacer and you go out, like, the crew goes out really too fast. Or, like, uh, there's just so many different things that could happen. You break your leg, right? Like, well, the whole entire... Season leading up to London wasn't a failure because it was bad weather the day of the right. race. So you have to define it by different things. And for me, it's just like checking boxes every day. So if I know that, like, if I did the gym work, if I do what was written on the schedule for the running, if I, um, you know, kind of did something mentally that was like reading a book or um, having the gratitude journal or some one of those. Like, I, you know, I podcast a lot. Like then I've hit, like, my three factors that I want to hit. Nice.
1: Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I had a coach that um, he talked about, like you were saying, checking the boxes or each, yeah. each workout is is building a, is putting a brick into a house yes. and, and layering brick after brick after brick. And mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not, you know, the one brick that makes a difference. It's, like, consistency over time.
0: Exactly. I think one of the things that Brad mentioned about me was, like, at the race, I'm pretty calm while everyone else is really anxious right. and in the, between the races I'm really anxious and everyone else seems pretty calm. And it's like, I, I know when I, when I get to the race or something else I can do other right. than just do what I'm capable of doing, but I'm anxious that I'm not doing all the things during the in between. So like having a, a very like small box that I know exactly what that means. Like it's not vague. I can't cause I, I'm like a hard critic on myself. So if it isn't exact, I'll be like, that was a failure. And then that's not like a good way to go into a race of or having the psyche that you failed right. every day. So I try to make it just like really simple for myself.
1: Cool. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, so you, you're you obviously an inspiration for a lot of, of athletes at different levels. Uh, but who would you say, either now or in, in the past, who's been sort of your role model or, or inspiration over the years?
0: I have to say Kara Goucher. Yeah. Um, I went to Footlocker's lockers when I was in high school and I got her signature <laughs> and, um, I went back like through my book of like my foot locker book and I had her and Lauren. Nice. Uh, it was really funny to like see them and now they're teammates and I've gotten to interact with Kara. Um, cause I was living in Colorado for a bit and she's just like been so helpful in my own journey, if I can ask her any question and she's so open and it's just been really nice to have that.
1: That's cool. And then, and then you can pay it forward. So how do you, how do you do that with, um, with the running community?
0: Yeah. So I don't know if I've really paid it forward yet, but, um, I'm hoping that Brad eventually grows our group and, um,
1: like into a team.
0: Yeah. A little bit. So we we need to find like a home base first, I think, until we can really do that. But we've talked to one girl actually in Flagstaff and Rochelle. And I'm, I'm really hoping that um, she joins with Brad and hopefully it can be of help to her along the way because she's super talented, hard, works really, really hard, but just hasn't had any sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can figure out something
1: for her. Cool. So one of the big things that helps keep the running world, uh, rolling for both athletes and brands is the, um, is, is, our partnerships and sponsorships. And so you've worked with a handful of, of companies over the years and how do you, how do you keep it, you know, true to yourself and, and, um, while also putting out good information?
0: Yeah. So I think the first thing is that I try to keep it mostly to like long-term partnerships, because if we're, we can both be invested in each other or it's not really going to work out. Mm-hmm. I don't think like I'm not going to sell out my followers for like a hundred dollars. just doesn't make any right. sense to me. Um, so I've gotten better at saying no to things. Um, also I think that like if things like a, a company came to me recently and they wanted, um, like a post a month and, one of the like, one of the things I wanted to post about was scale and um, headphones. Another thing was like a scrub for your face, and was sort of like,
1: all over the board.
0: Yeah, well, so it's like really like broad, it's like color. Target. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and
1: I was like, well,
0: you know, I use headphones and um, I use a scale, but like I don't use a facial scrub brush, so right. like just I'm not gonna do that one. And they were totally cool with it, so I just did like I just said yes to half the things that they they wanted, and um, I feel like if it doesn't fit with me and my image, like I'm not gonna put it out there. I'm not gonna put it out there just to like sell something. I really don't want to be a saleswoman. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting because the more the longer I'm like doing this, or I guess the bigger my social following gets, the more opportunities there are, and. Uh, I've kind of thought of myself more recently as like, wait, I'm a saleswoman. And like a lot of the, even the long-term sponsorships, like they sponsor Shalane Flanagan, Nike sponsors her because she's going to sell shoes. Right. And I never thought of it like that before. Um, but like, if that company believes in me, like Wazelle believes in me, they want me to run well and they they support the like professional running side so much, like I would not be where I am today without them. Um, but at the same point, like I'm, I should be helping them Mm -hmm. get the word out about like their company. Right. And, um, and I think that I'll do a better job for them and being an advocate for them knowing that than just thinking that I'm just being paid to run. Cause that's really not the whole part. it's,
1: It's interesting because there are so many athletes that, um, like, reach out to us at insight tracker and they're like, Hey, these are my stats and this is who I am. And I have 200 followers. And, and it's, it's hard because, you know, you, you want to, you know, respect their, their level, the caliber of athlete they are. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is a a business decision that, that has to be made. And, and just like the athlete can say no or say yes, the brand can say no and can say yes. And, it's a, it's tough to, or it's a, it's a balance between, um, you know, investing in an athlete yeah. early on and investing in an athlete today. And, um, we've worked together in, in that capacity and in, in mm-hmm. some ways as well. And it's really cool to see, um, you've built a really high quality audience that people that will do whatever you say. And it's, <laughs> oh,
0: I, hope not. I hope they think for themselves. <laughs> well, but... no,
1: but what I mean is, you know, it's not, you know, we, we have some athletes that we work with that have, you know, millions of followers or half a million followers or 200,000 followers and, um, they'll post something and nothing will happen. And, and it's just, it's all about, um, understanding the, I guess the power that comes with that. And it's cool to see, um, when athletes are, you know, consistent and, um, really true to themselves with stuff that they use and, and yeah. that kind of thing.
0: I think that brings me back to like the long-term partnerships because like a company like was like they've invested so much in me, not just financially, but emotionally. Right. Like it's, they're so supportive, um, on a, like an emotional level that if I get hurt, like Sarah Lusko is the first person I call, right. like I'm doing this race in 10 days. And I texted her husband and was like, Hey, what do you think I can run? Like, cause we are close like that. And, and I've, Value having them, so I like want to help them become successful, mm-hmm. just as they want to help them make me successful. So it goes beyond like tr- trying to sell something too. Of like you're, uh, you you like have the strong desire to grow together, right. and I think that that's, that then it's really you speaking. It's not me just like pushing, Gazelle on people. Right. Like I I like the clothes, I like the people behind the clothes. So like. I think this is actually a really good product
1: and company for sure. Um, well, it's cool. It's cool to see sort of the evolution of, um, those types of partnerships and, mm. and the, the, the more they work that I think the more opportunities, more athletes will have to, yeah to get involved with that. And then it's just, you know, it's good for the sport. Whereas you look at something like, you know, track athletes and sponsorships and it's not, they're not, they can't even wear the logos. And, and so it's like all of the value comes from engagement on social versus like standing on a podium. And, and so it's, it, I'm sure I can't imagine the, the, the balance that you have to focus on between, um, like race results and like social engagement. So how do you, how, (laughs) how do you do that?
0: Well, it's interesting because like the social media has taken over a lot of my life. And I think a lot of that is like the YouTube channel and having people around all the time just to get content mm-hmm. and then be able to put out there, um, and and it's it's a little overwhelming at times. And I hopefully like sometimes I think I've I've said yes to too many things and I get a little bit overwhelmed or like I'm just want the camera out of my face. And um, but I like the idea of being able to market myself. Like, I don't, I know that some people don't love having to write on Twitter or social media. And I just think it's another like opportunity. Like it's an avenue that we can use to our advantage or choose not to. Um, so I really enjoy it. I do think it takes a lot of work, but, um, I kind of like try to, you know, sit down once a week and just think of like, what do I want to post this week? So it's not this huge thing every day where I'm like oh what am I God. thinking
1: yeah, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do I like talk to people? Yeah. But most of the time I mean I go through some patches where I'm just like down and yeah. I'm like, No, I have nothing to, to connect with people about. And most of the time But even like, just real like life those are the best is, times to yeah. do it. And and Yeah, it's the hardest though. It
1: is the hardest and yeah, for sure. Um I mean I I spent much of twenty seventeen injured and I felt like Like I kept, I was open about it on social media and it was amazing to see like people come out of the woodworks with like, you know, it's great to see other people struggle. Like it's not great to see people struggling, but
0: it's relatable though
1: for sure. Um, so again, switching gears, uh, do you have a mantra or, or, um, something that you think about when, when things get hard?
0: Um, recently I've been having a lot of hard workouts and so I, and I've been lucky enough to have some guys to follow around the track or the roads. And so I've just been trying to like stay right in the back. Um, I tried to say like, Oh, just four more laps. And then I would like hyperventilate like
1: (laughs) four more (laughs) laps. Like that's a lot.
0: Um, but it's been way better when I just like, just like stick with them. Like you can stay right on them. Nice. You don't have to do any work. Just stick on them. Um, I don't have any like big mantras. I try to like, keep it positive for the most part. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Cool.
1: Um, jumping back to something we were talking about before. Do you think that having time away from the sport uh, a couple years ago helped push things forward? Or did you think it like helped renew that fire when, when you came back from it? I know a lot of people that have a shorter time off due to injury come back with, like that burning desire to yeah. to keep pushing forward. I think
0: it made me come back grateful. Mm-hmm. Like I felt when I left the sport, I think I was really feeling entitled and like I made the Olympic trials, so someone like should pick me up. You know, I deserve this rather than feeling like, wow, I'm really grateful that was all gave me this opportunity to continue running. Um, which just like that different perspective changed everything for me because. I, I wasn't, I just thought I, I didn't understand really the game of it all. And like, now I see this relationship with Wazelle as a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some people just see it as a sponsorship, like, yeah, they're faster. So they should get paid and nobody owes you anything. Right. So, um, I think that really helped like the maturity of, of moving to New York city, getting a job, like having to figure out life and expenses and bills and Whatever all the stuff um yeah. just changed me, I think that it really helped me in the running stuff, but like um and I think breaks can do that where like but I was really interested and like really into it beforehand, so mm-hmm. I don't think I got really necessarily more dedicated. I just got a little bit more grateful.
1: the gratitude is something my coach highlights all the time, and it's yeah it's powerful when um. If you've had time off, if you've had injury and you're out there and it's raining or you're in the middle of a brutal workout and it's just like thinking like I'm doing this, I'm choosing to do this and I can do it. I think it can be super powerful.
0: Yeah, I think so too because I think it's really easy to just be like, Ugh, it's raining, right? it's cold, like I don't want to do this. And don't do it. Yeah. Nobody's making you do it. It's fine. But like, I go through those times too, or I'll take advantage of like, I've been really lucky to have my coach travel with me. And, you know, I take advantage of that opportunity a lot. And, um, I wish someone would like kind of hit me sometimes be like, Allie, be grateful because you could be alone right now. Um, and it's just obviously so much more enjoyable to be out there with somebody and to have someone that believes in you the whole time.
1: Totally. So while we were in our intermission for technical difficulties, yes. we were talking about um, the growth and surging, uh, surging numbers of um, athletes that are qualifying for the Olympic trials. That yeah, are... it's
0: crazy. Like full time job people kicking butt. Out yeah. There.
1: So why why do you think what why do you think that's happening?
0: Um, I think more people think that it's possible. We're I mean, the standards haven't gotten any slower. I just think more people are like, I can do that. You know, like my friend did that. I can do it too. Or, um, the people at the top are getting faster. And I just think it's a chain reaction where everyone, I mean, the guys and girls like across the board, there are a lot of people hitting the standard. Um, it's really cool to see.
1: Let's talk about Atlanta. What are you, uh, what are your thoughts on the course?
0: It's going to be hilly. and I think that's good for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I definitely wanted Atlanta. Part of it is because they were paying for everyone who made the trials, which I just felt like I've been in a position before where I didn't have a lot of money. So going to the races was like, you know, if I was going to make the money back, maybe I could do it. Uh, it's a bit of a gamble or like, maybe I I just don't think people should miss out on the Olympic trials because they can't can't afford it. Like that's No, I mean, there's no NFL player that has to be like, oh, am I gonna feed my family or go to the Super Bowl? Right. Like, no, they just get paid a right. ton of money to go to the Super Bowl. So, um and like, you know, that's that's people's Olympics right there. Um I just think that's sad. So I, I liked that Atlanta was supporting them and I think that I don't love Hilly courses, but i I can start but it works running it because yeah. it works to my advantage. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, I'm a strength runner. So, and I go out conservative, so that should all help me for, um, a hilly course.
1: Cool. What, um, what would you tell someone that's looking to make the jump into marathoning from half marathons? You or? Just do it. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't,
1: it's that easy. Just do it.
0: <laughs> just, yeah, like pace yourself race day. And I think it does take a lot of, like I run a lot of miles now, but I didn't when I did my first one. Um, so I just, I just went into it and went out like seven minute pace and I just sped up through the whole thing. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of probably built more for the marathon. Like, uh, I just have more of an engine than speed, but it, it, it sounds scarier than it is. And like, if you don't think it, you can run 120 mile a week. Then don't. Then don't. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Nobody's if, forcing you. You to. don't have to run one hundred twenty mile weeks to run a marathon well. Like you I, don't
1: have to run fifty mile weeks to run a marathon mm, well.
0: No. And um, I also I like new things. I'm a kind of like the grass is always greener person. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this new race because it's gonna be so much better than anything I ever did before. So if you're thinking about it, just try it. You'll, for sure get a PR in your first
1: one. Yes. Distance PR, time PR, all the good stuff. Yeah. Um so we were talking before we started about um some races in the future. What are what are some of your bucket list races?
0: We talked about Boulder Boulder. Definitely want to do that one. Uh, I haven't done Falmouth.
1: That's a fun one. That if you like heat.
0: Oh, I don't <laughs> I think if I want to go to Tokyo, I need to start liking heat and humidity yeah.
1: too. So Falmouth is like eleven o'clock in the morning in the middle of the summer. On the Cape, so it could be like eighty and ninety five percent humidity. Yeah, so it's like running in the sauna. It's fun. Okay, well, the crowds are great.
0: Yeah, I like crowds.
1: The crowds um, are very supportive.
0: Beach to Beacon.
1: Yep. Berlin, Boston. Nice.
0: Chicago, like all the big, all ones. the big ones. Yeah, Um there's just so many. I I think every time I hear about a race, I'm like, oh, I'm totally doing that one. And then I put, like, a race every week on my schedule. The coach is like, I don't think so. So, yeah, (laughs) in time.
1: Yes, many races ahead. Um, So one thing that's been, um, I guess, talked about more recently in uh, social media or just life in general is the importance of mental health. And so how do you, how do you think that mental health plays a role in being a happy runner, being a, a lifetime runner and, and someone that's, you know, enjoying, enjoying the sport and enjoying what they're doing?
0: How does mental health affect running? Yeah. I mean, what I feel like running affects my mental health for sure.
1: How, how so
0: like a much happier person when I run. Yeah. It was interesting. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. I think it was, um, it was Mary Farrelly's podcast and he had on, um, I don't remember his name, but he's the coach of Redwood high school and he's like a three-time Olympic trials qualifier and his mom coaches them and he went to Cal uh, anyway. So, um, he said when he was young, he had parents that, that ran at Cal together and on the weekends, his sister and him would like watch TV and his parents would go for a run and they'd come back smiling from ear to ear. And he was like, I don't know what they've just done, but I want to do it. <laughs> And I was like, that is exactly how I feel about running. Like, no matter how cold or how rainy or whatever it is, like, you come back better. Yeah. So, I I mean, if I'm, like, the most depressed I ever get, because I think I kind of ride those, like, highs and lows pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, I feel the happiest when I'm running.
1: Cool. Um, Speaking of the sort of highs and lows, I guess not technically, but... How do you approach rest and recovery? And so like the, the lows from a volume standpoint, how do you work that into um, training on a weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly basis? What do you mean? So, I mean, you can't go 100% all the time. Um, Why not?
0: <laughs> um, so That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like when I say I'm all in on running, like I take the recovery to the same degree as right. the,
1: the workout. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean.
0: Yeah, I'm, like, um, getting ready to hire a chef. Nice. Because I actually really like cooking, but I just feel like I'm on my feet a lot. Right. Like, it's just another thing on my plate. Um, Pun intended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hired a friend to, like, respond to some of my messages for me because I just get so many emails. And, like, I I actually want to just put on my Instagram um, my agent because most of the stuff I just forward to her anyway. Yeah. So like anything I can kind of take off of my agenda and put somewhere else so I can recover. And part of that's like resting my legs, but also like, like resting your my mind. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and and it's sad because it's not necessarily a mental job that I'm doing a running, but when I get home, my brain is fresh
1: Yeah. I mean, I would argue that it's super meant like the, you just have to be on. During the whole, yeah. like, unless you're completely zoned out and you've hit that, you know, flow state, I feel yeah. like you're, you're concentrating all you're the so time Tired yeah.
0: after the workout. And like, um, so I think that all those other stuff sometimes take me away from just doing the running and recovering and not that I want to be like a Netflix queen, <laughs> but like having time to just like unwind. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to spend a lot more time reading but I spend a lot of time like, shoot, my to-do list is growing longer. So I, I think like getting some help in those regards is, is helpful for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think rest is like so important. And with that being sleep, like sleeping a lot, I'm not very good at taking naps in the middle of the day, but I've tried to give myself like an hour where I'm either reading or sleeping so that maybe I turn it turns into a sleep. Yep.
1: Um, do you do any sauna sessions?
0: I haven't, but I need to start doing that. Yeah. yeah. I
1: find that it's like a really cool way to decompress and, yeah. um, you can't bring your phone in there cause it'll melt and turn off.
0: There's a sauna at the gym, but there's a lot of like
1: weird stuff.
0: There's a lot of naked <laughs> yeah. ladies and I don't know how into it that I am. So, I've just avoided the showers and the sauna. Area, yeah, but maybe
1: eventually <laughs> try a different hour. Maybe <laughs> like the, the yeah. two o'clock hour might be better.
0: You'd be surprised what time people are free here. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> it's a good a point. Town. Yeah, people aren't working too much. Lucky <laughs> schedules.
1: Yeah. Um. So why did you start running? What got you? What got you out the door that first time? My sister. Yeah. Let's hear about that.
0: Yeah. Um so the crossing guard at our local elementary school told my mom that she was really fast and that she should sign her up for this track team. And, uh, I was four years younger. So I was in kindergarten and my working parents, they just needed somewhere for us, like both to be at the same time. So my mom convinced them to allow me to be the youngest person ever in the club. Um, and we ran for like tick tocks, uh, <laughs> and we sang songs, which is more, Singing and eating the night, yeah. day, I think
1: that's like trail running. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I want to do that. So that's how I got started. And then my sister, being four years older, in I'm from New York, and in seventh grade you can pick to be part of a um, like the school team, you know. And I played soccer growing up, but my sister was running in high school, so I was like, I want to run, and um, and my mom was really mad. Because I think she thought like I was a good soccer player, but I was really just near the ball all the time yep. and had no ball skill. And um, I joined the track team, and that like, kind of the rest is history.
1: Yeah. Cool. They're like, oh, you're kind of good at this. Let's. Uh... It
0: worked out. Yeah. Eventually, she was like, okay, like you made the right choice. Yeah.
1: Is the marathon your favorite distance?
0: Yeah, it is. I like racing the most. I feel the most comfortable there. Um, I still feel like a newbie because I've only like trained for two of them. Yep. But. Uh, so far, so good. So. Cool.
1: What are some of the other distances you like?
0: I'm doing the 10K in a couple of weeks. Um, I do like the 10K. And then I, I just, the, the track hurts in such a different way. Um, I'm doing an 8.2 mile race in Atlanta, which will be on the Olympic trials course. I'm excited about that. But I've never raced 8.2 miles. <laughs> It's a PR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm doing a 30K. I've never raced a 30K. This is like the season of new. Yeah. Um,
1: Do you think that that's a big, um, a big thing that, that people should, I don't want to say focus on, but like trying something new.
0: I just think that like, you need to think of your strengths and weaknesses and then and then attack. Yeah. And so I actually have been racing a marathon that, um, I'm like more trained for the half though, because I think because I took all that time off, like. I don't know what Shillane Flanagan's training is like, but I'm assuming she's doing a lot more than I'm doing. Um, like mileage in her workouts and mileage overall. And I don't think that you can jump from where I'm at just to like that level so quickly. So I'm like taking this step. So I try not to get hurt. Um, and that's why I put the 30 K in because it's a race that I'll just do it as a workout and it will be like a hard 30 K effort that I think would be really hard to do alone. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, that's my weakness. That's what I need to work on. But um, I've been talking with Molly Huddle and she's actually doing a 10 K leading into the London marathon, like a race at Stanford. So we kind of took opposite approaches, yeah. but that doesn't mean that anyone's right or wrong. It's right. just different. You know, they like you put it, your goals and your strengths and your weaknesses, you pick whatever you think works for you.
1: Cool. Um, so. I posted that we were doing this podcast and got a couple of questions and okay. so people want to know what is your, what's your go-to post race? What is it? What does it look like from a, from a recovery standpoint? Like what's the, what's on the plate? And then more importantly, like what does the next day look like?
0: The next day. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I've been working with the nutritionist and he's really big about eating carbs like within 10 minutes. Yes. So I, um, I actually make the, the higher the glycemic index, the better. Like after a hard post post workout. Yeah. Yeah. Post. And so if I just go for like a 30 minute run, I have a banana, Mm -hmm. but after a race, it's like a very hard effort and they're often long now that I do the long distances. So I've actually started making a granola bar with, um, like oats, quick oats Mm -hmm. and, A rice puff cereal and honey, like all dates, so like lots of sugar. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it tastes good, and it's like super high glycemic. And then, um, you know, like then when I'm hungry after that, so like an hour or two later or whatever, um, I've had a lot of family and people come to races, so we'll like go get brunch. Most of the races are in the morning. Yeah. And like if I don't get breakfast, like the day of food cannot move on until yep. I've eaten breakfast. <laughs> it must be. Is
1: that like a thing just every day? It's, you got yes. to have the breakfast foods? Yeah.
0: yeah. It's unfortunate because it would be like 4 p.m. and I'm like, right, where's the breakfast burrito? <laughs> yeah. But, um, There's
1: always time for a breakfast burrito.
0: For sure. So that's usually like the real meal. Um, I try to like portion those things out so you get like a carb protein and mm-hmm. some kind of like green or vegetable. Um, I used to, I had a really good teammate, Molly Pritz and we would go get breakfast after we got together and one of us would order eggs and the other one would order pancakes and we just just go <laughs> because like, who doesn't want right, eggs and pancakes? And yeah. Savory. So, yeah. Um, and then the next day, like eating wise or just like, wise, what do you do? The next day I split the run up. So after like a hard um, long run or a race say i wanted to hit like 10 miles that day i'll do five in the morning and five in the afternoon because you still get good mileage mm-hmm. but it's not so hard in your body so you can like speed up the recovery
1: cool what is what does marathon recovery look like
0: it's active yeah it's active recovery do you do any
1: swimming or anything
0: i've been swimming like 30 minutes or 35 minutes once a week
1: isn't it so hard
0: i absolutely <laughs> hate it especially here yeah i think in like a warmer climate is fine but when you're in a cold place, jumping into a cold pool, yeah. it's really not like... But again, just learn to be grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful that I have a pool to go to.
1: Did you do any swimming growing up?
0: No, so I had horrible technique. <laughs> so like and you're probably really slow, too. I'm very slow, <laughs> uh, but I'm super competitive, yeah. so I like racing all the people near me. Right, And of course, they most people like do a workout, and I'm just doing 30 minutes straight, right. so it's not very impressive to look at, and I... Anytime that Brad wants to film me, I'm like, no, you're absolutely not allowed because my head doesn't go under Oh, filming the swimming. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's just so terrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I spent a bunch of time in the pool last year and it's like, you go from like not being able to do a lap to like, yeah, I'm crushing a mile and it's great. And it's, it's cool to, to have that progress that is just like so dramatic.
0: Yeah. I also think if you're bad at it, like you just get a workout, a better workout from it. Yeah. I mean, if my technique was great, I'd have to to like
1: do it harder. Yeah, yeah. Try harder. Right.
0: This way I'm out of breath pretty easily. So yep. it's a good workout.
1: And you get the benefit of the, the water on your legs. Yeah. So that's good too. I know. Brad
0: always says like, doesn't it loosen your legs? And like, I'll just stride the day before a workout. And none of that stuff ever, <laughs> I feel like loosens my legs, but I'm sure there's something to it.
1: Totally. Um, what's next? What you have, uh, I know you said you have London. Um, do you know what, you know, what do the next couple of years look like? What are what are some Ooh, big next big years. scary goals that that Allie has for herself?
0: So, I want to break two twenty six in London. Um, that's a big one, and then I, I mean, I, I am going to come back and try to make the ten k team for Doha World mm-hmm. Championships. It's a little bit like outlandish because I have to drop a significant time at ten k, and there is not really that much time after London. Um, so, I guess in ten days we'll see like. How ridiculous it yeah. sounds or not, but um, then I might do a fall marathon. Um, I still want a podium at a major marathon. I don't want to. I mean, I want to go to a, like something like New York this year, where it was the best field ever. Yeah. I don't want to show up at a marathon that has two people in it, just a podium. Right. Like, I want. It's like, a racer's like, race and yeah,
1: passing people at the end.
0: Yeah. So um I mean I want to make the Olympic team in the marathon. But I also like want to keep advocating for body image. I think that's been a huge part of um my happiness too and it makes like the running goals a little bit more exciting because like through like running's kind of like the mover or driver mm-hmm. so then I get to be able to talk to a larger about audience. Body image. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing um I'm speaking at the Women's Conference. That's awesome. And in Boston? I'm super excited Very about cool. it. I'm a little nervous to speak, but excited, um, and yeah, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep like powering on with that message.
1: Let's talk about that message for a little bit. Um, how how did you or what what keeps you what keeps you motivated to keep keep going with that?
0: Because every time I talk about it, someone sends me a message and is like, "I had an eating disorder," or "I'm struggling with this," or i needed to hear this today. It's like,
1: it's the relatability.
0: It's just that sometimes to me, it sounds like old news. Like I've said that these comments before, Yeah. but new people find me and then I have been like, they, they've been helped by the message. So if I can continue helping people, then I'm going to continue saying
1: it. Yeah. So on a sort of similar, but somewhat of a parallel, um, a couple of friends and I started something called Rest Day Brags, and it's like bragging about rest. Oh yeah! And it's bragging about like the only you know intervals I did today were to the to the fridge or yeah. couch to fridge, <laughs> and like silly stuff like that that um, like glamorizes brings brings sort of laughter to like doing nothing. Yeah. And it's funny we get like a lot of we have a lot of critics like you can't you can't yeah not brag about resting you can't not brag about something so how do you how do you handle the uh, how do you handle the critics yeah
0: yeah there are definitely critics i just think that kind of like the higher you rise the more critics are going to be yeah like it's um it, it's kind of a polarizing topic yeah i didn't start it thinking that uh, i thought that this was just kind of like common knowledge that you know like you should get a period and that you should be healthy and fuel yourself with food And like, that doesn't seem polarizing, but somehow it is to people. So I've just kind of embraced it. Um, There's actually a film crew came out from New York City and uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) But like the guys, the guys are so cool. And I mean, he's a, he's a Hollywood film producer. Like he has critics too, obviously. And he was like, you know what? I just lean into it. Like if someone doesn't like, I do this certain thing, like I do it more. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if I'm happy with myself and what I'm doing and I believe in this. I just, then you're doing it, home. right? Yeah. yeah.
1: One of the things that I've heard before is that um, 10% of people will disagree with you, no matter what. Yeah. And no matter who you are, no matter how much success you've achieved. So, yeah. like, the bigger you yeah. get, the yeah. bigger that 10% gets.
0: But the goal isn't to please everyone. Exactly. It's what I've exactly. Like, you can't. I, you can't. Want, I wanted to before. Right. And it's like, I don't actually want to please everyone. Right. I mean, Some people just don't like feel the same way as I do. And so someone recently like messaged me on Instagram to say, Hey, um, you can't hashtag body positivity, body image and body positivity aren't the same thing. And like there are marginalized voices that aren't being heard because of your hashtag. And I was like, I just don't agree with that. I feel like I'm bringing more awareness to this topic and I'm, allowing there to be a discussion on my page. So then people that maybe the voices wouldn't be heard otherwise can be heard. And then people were commenting to other people's comments. So like people were reading comments of people, maybe they don't follow. Right. Like, I don't, I think I bring more to this. So I'm, I'm sorry that we disagree, but I, I'm not going to say sorry for using body positivity. If more people found me through using that hashtag and then felt like they had a voice in this conversation. Um, so yeah. I, one person was upset and like that, it's unfortunate. I don't, that's not my goal, but it's going to happen. And like, I just, I'm not, if I was there to please everyone, I wouldn't be myself.
1: And I think if you're, if you're trying to please everyone, you're not, you're no longer authentic. Yeah. You're no longer authentic to yourself. No, exactly. And it's, it's, um, you sort of lose the message that you're going after. Um, so I guess what, what tips do you have in that department of, for, for someone that, you know, might be struggling with it or, um, a new runner that's, that's getting into the, you know, high school athlete or college athlete. Yeah. Um, I don't know that those are the people that are listening to this podcast, but they might have kids that are in that.
0: I think that honestly, like I see it, the, the coaches kind of doing and the. I don't think people mean this in the wrong way, but, um, people say like, oh, you're looking fast. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because there's no look to fast. Right. You can be fast, but like you can't like, there's not a particular thing that, so do you mean thin? Like I'm looking thin and you can go to the start line and be thin or be big and still win. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and
1: be inspiring either way. Like what, what got me into running was watching the Boston marathon in 2013. And I watched from Wells and I was like, look at all these people, different shapes and sizes yeah. and they're all just doing it.
0: Yeah. One of the most inspiring races I ever watched was, um, the Phoenix, like Ironman, um, and Chrissy Wellington set the world record, which was really cool. But then I came back later in the end of the night and like you know, all these people are trying to finish the race right, before
1: midnight finish. or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. So like to get the cutoff right. and they're like trying to run at the end, but it's an iron man. Like, right. Their legs just wouldn't move. Right. And people are crying and like of achievement. I mean, it was right. so freaking inspiring to watch. And I think that part was more inspiring than Chrissy Wellington, you know, not, not to take anything away from yeah. her, but like just go like just doing it is so cool. Yeah. So, um, I and I also feel like like with people that are just getting into running or um, like we should just let people be runners. Then, yeah. you know um, I think sometimes we discourage people because we tell them, oh, you don't look like a runner. Like there is no certain look in my Do opinion. You, if you run, it's,
1: you're a runner. You look like a runner. Yeah, if You're running. You look like a runner.
0: <laughs> great. It's such a healthy part of someone's lifestyle. Like I don't think we should discourage people from living. So I think it's not really the people that are trying to do it, but rather the people that are saying negative things to them, like, just stop saying negative things.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like a cultural thing that
0: – I think we're a little bit elitist, yeah. like, as a group, um, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, well, thank you so much for this. This was fun. Uh, yeah, was fun. for me. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run, and in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.